The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Roman. Roman is a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Just head on over to GetRoman.com slash SVP for $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com slash SVP. And we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is home to the Best Ball Mania 2 contest where you can win a million dollars. That's right, a million dollars. Sign up now at UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. That's UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And finally, we're also brought to you by Odds Jam. Odds Jam is the betting tool every sharp better needs, bringing you the latest prices and presenting the best betting opportunities. Dominate the marketplace with Odds Jam. Use promo code SGP and get 5% off sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Odds Jam. Thank you for allowing us into your auditory halls. It's the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 37. This one goes out to Nick Van Exel, who wore 37 for the Golden State Warriors, apparently, in 2004. I don't even remember him playing for that team, but that's what my my crack research says. So big up to Nick Van Exel. Um, I would be your host, and welcome um, to Jens all over the world. We have the gens in Germany and Australia and Greece and all over the world listening to us. So thank you for uh, coming and uh, being the ultimate degenerates, which would be the people who gamble their money on other people fighting each other. That's you can't don't get much more degenerate than that is what I've always said. So I would be your host, Jeff Fox, aka Jack Sox. I am sometimes called. Um, I also write and edit over on Sports Gambling Podcast, and I run the MMA website, MMA-Manifesto.com, which you should head to while you listen to this and find our, at the very least, find the UFC 262 Pick'em Contest that I'm running and get your free entry in there. Um, I am not alone, of course. I um, That would be far too much work to do this alone. I do have a... A co-host, he also hosts the Top Turtle MMA podcast, the Prelim Picker podcast. I'm a little upset because neither of those have shown up in my feed yet this week, so I don't know what he's been doing with his life, but they haven't shown up yet, so I haven't been able to cheat, and um, usually I can I can figure out from those podcasts what he's going to pick on uh, on the cards, and uh, I haven't been able to do that yet this week. So anyhow, uh, other than that, he also... Uh, is the self-proclaimed Michael Jordan of the Gogo Plata, is what he told me off the air. <laughs> he, he's Off the air, he told me he's the greatest practitioner ever of the Gogo Plata. That's why they call him Gogo. Um, it would be Daniel Gogo Gumby Vreeland. Hello, Daniel. The Michael Jordan, is that like the Travis Luter being the Michael Jordan of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, can't, I, can't, be the, I can't be the, the Michael Jordan of, of any Jiu-Jitsu move because he's the Michael Jordan of all. That, by the way, is such a wild statement because he goes into that fight, in my opinion, not even being the better grappler. And uh, yeah, they call him the Michael Jordan of, of grappling. He Who is he fighting again? He was fighting Anderson Silva. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Anderson Silva was a good grappler. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess they have to hype a fight. You know. Yeah, and, and you know that I will say that about the UFC too. It, not to you know get us completely off track here, but the UFC used to be so much better at hyping up challengers than they are now. Like right. now, every time you see a challenger going into a fight, everybody thinks the champ's going to win for the most part, with the except you know a couple of small exceptions. Like people had Aljo over Peter Yan, which proved to be both smart and not smart. Yeah. Um, you know, people had Ed Naganu over over uh, Stipe, but yeah. like for the most part, everybody just favors the champ. Way back in the day, they did such like I know I've talked about this before. Like they sold me that Dan Hardy was a real challenger to GSP. Um, you know, they sold me Tiago Alves is a right. legit threat to GSP's throne. And we oh, both, for sure. Yeah, and and, and like there, there were other ones in there too, like John Fitch and Josh Koscheck, and like, but but ultimately like. We should have known, um, but the UFC yep. used to be much better at that. Um, and I guess now I'm just lamenting that. Like, they used to be better at selling me uh, up the river on picks I shouldn't make. Yeah, now they're, they've fallen back on the lazy tropes of everyone's uh, every contender's a savage or <laughs> a 
a killer. So that's uh, that, that doesn't quite uh, get your get your blood a pumping. Beast. Occasionally a yeah, beast. Yeah, it, beast. it's always derogatory type stuff. Eh? It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's gotta be um, dirty. It's gotta be filthy. It's true. It's true. So um, this week we're gonna break down UFC 262. Of course, uh, we had a mediocre. Actually, it was worse than mediocre. Well, last week uh, we went both went three and six. First time ever we we totally ended up with the exact same picks. That would be very insane if it happens again this week, especially since I haven't heard any of his picks in advance. I can I can kind of guess who he's Dan's going to pick by who he has his guests on his his other podcast because he always picks whoever he has a guest on his podcast because he kisses up that way. I think that's the only way he can book people. Um, he tells them all I'll I'll, I'll, I'll pick you to win. Um, but there's 12 fights this weekend, so I think the odds of us hitting – I'm good at math, but I, I haven't figured out the probability of us actually going 12 for 12 again. I think it's very, very rare that's going to happen this week. I think it's very rare too, especially because if you look at the odds for this week's fight, th- there are not a lot of big gaps in the odds. Like, it, you know, no. just, just taking a quick scan, I, I think the largest favorite I saw on the card was negative was 210. Um, and obviously they vary in the sports books, but there are like two, just barely over negative 200 guys and gals, one's a gal on the card. And after that, it is all closer than negative 200, um, which, which is, I mean, like this is a card that is going to be very hard to bet the whole thing up and down because they are so close. Um, but if you were, you were looking for, for some sweet spots or you were looking to hit just one or two. Uh, there, there definitely are are some gems in there for you. Oh, there you go, Dan's very good. See, the UFC may be bad <laughs> at hyping stuff up, but Dan is the king of hyping stuff up. He did this, uh, I believe, last podcast too. He's, yeah, yeah. You always, you always give me give me crap because I I just try to get people to listen past our read uh, for ED. No, medicine, so <laughs> yeah, I, I don't give you crap. And the first ad is not ED. It's for WinBet. <laughs> WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Judges promos, odds, and parlays are happening. Right now at WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and go download the app today and go on there and check out all their awesome lines. NBA playoffs are starting next week, so if you may want to get in on the uh, the playing tournament and see if there's any juicy lines there. All right. Um, we got a juicy card coming up this weekend. Um, segue into that. Not as juicy as it was. We have lost two fights. Um, last, when we recorded, we knew we had lost the last time we recorded episode 36. Um, it was Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz is getting bumped uh, up. Nate Diaz got a minor injury. Um, and it's going to be next month's 263 that fight's going to happen at. Um, so that's off the card, unfortunately. That was going to be the co-main event five rounds. Um, and we also lost another fight I was looking forward to, which was Jack Hermanson and Edmund Shabazian, or Shabazian, whatever you, you want to call it. That one's been pushed ahead just a week. It's going to be happening next week. So it's bolstering next week's UFC Fight Night Font versus Garbrandt. I was thinking we didn't have a fight card next week, but next week we have a fight card the week after is the week that we're actually going to have to do some work and, and come up with some content with uh, no UFC event. But regardless, it's, it's still a fairly, fairly solid uh, fight card. 12 fights, like I said, off the bat. Um, it is going down the uh, solid out, the claim Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. It would literally prelim 6.30 p.m. Eastern on, I think, just UFC Fight Pass at this point. Uh, prelims start at 8 on ESPN, ESPN Plus, and then the main card, 10 p.m., as per usual, on pay-per-view. So, as we always do, we will start with the curtain jerker and move our way up. This fight was just added um, fairly recently. It is a lightweight fight. Christos Diagos versus Sean Soriano, who's making his return after six years, seven years? I think it was 2014 or 2015 was the last time he was in the UFC. Um, you, yeah, 2015 was his last fight. Um, let's break down his stats to begin with, and then we'll we'll see what Dan thinks of this fight. Uh, Soriano, 14 and six, seven knockouts, four submissions. He's lost four times via submission. Uh, he was 0 and three in his first stint in the UFC. That was 20, like I said, 2014, 2015. Uh, this will be his return, and it is uh, he's taking this on short notice as well. He's coming in on the strength of three straight wins on the regional circuit. 
He is five inches taller than Giagos. Six inches of reach on him, and he is four years younger. Um, striking and uh, striking stats are in his favor. Plus, he's the more active striker. He lands when it's active striker means he lands more punches per uh, per fight or per minute or however you want to break it down um, than his opponents. Um, in this case, being Giagos, and he is at plus two hundred five. Uh, Christos Giagos, eighteen and eight, seven knockouts, three submissions. Half of his losses have come via submission. He has four sub-losses. Uh, he's 4-4 four four in the UFC. This is also his uh, second stint in the UFC, just like uh, Soriano. He was cut at one point. Uh, he won his last fight. He actually had all those stats wrong before because Giagos is an inch taller uh, and has an inch of reach. I messed up all. I don't know how, where I got the other stats from, but I messed them up somehow. My apologies, but I don't think it's going to make a difference, really, break down this fight. He's at minus 192. I'm going with Chalk. Mr. Vreeland, I'm having trouble speaking, and I'm giving incorrect information, so you better take over. Yeah, I'm going to go with Diagos as well. I just think in this fight, look, Soriano taking it on short notice, already a little bit of a worry, right? Like, right. You, you instantly, you know, kind of ear tag somebody as, as being maybe not as trustworthy. And, and then you consider what his problem was and why he got cut from the UFC in the first place. And it really, it, it was his ability to stop takedowns. Um, he, he hasn't been very good at the, his ability to stop takedowns. Of course, he fought guys like Charles Rosa and Chance Kelly and Tetsuya and Kawajiri, who are all, you know, pretty damn good wrestlers. But then you look outside of the UFC, and, and he got wrestled up by a couple of guys outside of there, too, in Levon Makashvili and Bruce Boyington. Like, th- those are guys who, you know, Makashvili at least made it to the UFC, but you know, not a top-level guy, really. In, in Boyington, man, he, he's just a Northeast journeyman. Like, he's a guy who's just kind of been around the CES, Cage, Titans, Northeast regional circuit. And, I mean, he kind of took it to, to Soriano. So, you know, Soriano has looked good on the feet against some guys who, who are willing to box him lately. But Iagos is a guy who has a wrestling background, and I just kind of expect him to be able to wrestle Sean Soriano for as long as he wants here, you know, on short notice, you got to worry about Soriano's cardio as well. So I'm going to say, yeah, it look, looks like Iago's all day here. He could control him for 15 minutes, or I wouldn't be shocked if he subbed him too. Well, there you go. Maybe a prop bet there. Um, as a reminder, late replacement fighters only waiting 36% of their fights over the past, what, year and a half uh, since I've been doing that stat. So that's something to keep in mind, uh, especially a guy who hasn't been fighting USC competition in, what, seven years, six years? So um, we, there you go. There's one fight down we have agreed on. Let's see if it continues. We will move down a weight class. Featherweights, Kevin Aguiar and Tucker Lutz. Um, we'll go with Lutz, who is making his debut He's 11-1 with six knockouts, two submissions. He fought twice in the Contender Series. Dana White Contender Series won both those fights. He is an inch taller, six and six years younger than Aguiar. He's, uh, we're talking about limited stats. He only had two fights, but he, he's striking stats, grappling stats both in his favor, and he's the more active striker of the two. He's at minus 125. Uh, Aguiar, 17-4, 10 knockouts, one submission, two and three in the UFC. He won his first two fights, lost his last three. He's also an alumni of the Contender Series. He won his fight there. He was also in the past the LFA featherweight champion, and he also fought in Bellator. He was one and in Bellator. He's going to reach. He's at plus 100. Uh, what can you tell us about Lutz and this fight? Well, I can tell you, first of all, that I, I think you made another mistake. I don't mean to call you out, but I'm pretty Bad. sure that this fight is technically happening at lightweight. Because uh, Tucker Lutz is typically a lightweight. Kevin Aguiar is usually a, a featherweight, but I am almost you positive. You tell me that Wikipedia is wrong. You uh, tell me Wikipedia is wrong. I believe it is. Uh, as you know, I'm a tapology guy, and tapology has got this one at lightweight. Um, Are you telling me that Google is also wrong? Google also has a featherweight. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, I, I will say I would be a little bit more worried if this is happening at, at featherweight for Lutz. Um, being that I'm going to question his cardio and his ability to go down because he he already looks pretty big for lightweight, to be honest. And, and that's another reason why I'm pretty confident that this is happening at lightweight. But, of course, you know, I, I'm not quite sure which is the appropriate place to trust you. Yeah, the odd shark says featherweight. Some site I've never heard of says lightweight. Um, what Tapology said lightweight. Tapology is usually pretty good, though. Yeah, they're um, usually the, the kings of these stuff. Um. 
I mean, yeah, I, not, I would say check the UFC's website because it's probably the least that's real volume. UFC's website is garbage. But, yeah, it's, the two sources I use both say UFC, UFC, UFC's website says featherweight, so uh, it must All be right. lightweight. Well, that's three of them, um, so we'll, we'll say <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Let's, so let's pretend it's featherweight. Pretend right, it's so, so let's pretend it's featherweight. Uh, if it is featherweight, regardless, I, I still think I'm going to go with Tucker Lutz here. Um when you, when you watch him on the Contender Series, he's kind of a suffocating individual. I, I'm not real sold on his ability to strike with people at featherweight or lightweight. You know, that those are divisions that typically have some, some killers and some guys who throw bombs. You know, like, I, I mean, we're going to talk about some, some featherweights later on in this card. Shane Burgos, uh, Edson Barboza, a whole bunch of other people who are, who are real tough. I don't like his chances to throw with almost anybody on the, in those divisions, but I do like his ability to grapple. And, and I think in this one, he stays away from the hands of Kevin Aguilar enough to score enough takedowns, score enough time on the mat. Um, you know, Aguilar didn't look like he had really great cardio going late into that last fight of his. So, I'm again, even if this is down a weight class and Lutz does tire, I don't even think he's going to tire as much as Aguilar trying to defend takedowns the whole time. So I just think, you know, all of those things add up to being bad in Aguilar's column. And, you know, Lutz, the newcomer, you know, something to prove in here. And, and like I said, he did, despite the fact Dana White continuously said he didn't like how, how Lutz looked on Contender Series, like it was really effective. It just wasn't that, like, super exciting style that, that Dana White wants everybody to fight where it's knockout or be knocked out. So, I'm going to go with Lutz here, probably a decision victory, uh, just by grinding things out. Yeah, if if he's if Dana White doesn't like him, that probably means he's good. Yeah. He's a good fighter. He's not a uh, Leonard Garcia uh, sloppy striker. I so, loved okay. Leonard Garcia. Uh, no. Leonard Garcia was fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with Lutz, too, so that's two for two, and I'm pretty sure we're going to agree on this one, too, because she's a guest on Dan's podcast this week. <laughs> uh, this, that would be Gina Mazzani. Uh, she's fighting in a her new weight class. Her, she actually debuted in it last fight. Uh, women's flyweight. Uh, so Gina Danger Mazzani versus Priscilla Cachuera. Um And like I said, this would be a, a flyweight battle. Um, let's break down Cachuera first. Nine and three with five knockouts. So it's very rare to see that kind of power in a women's, a lighter women's uh, weight class. She is only one and three in the UFC. She dropped her first three and then she won via KO her last fight. But that was back over a year ago, February of twenty. 20. Um, however, people who have been off at least a year are now winning at 52%, which is a crazy – that's something we wouldn't have predicted, eh? No, that's something we wouldn't predict, and I'm not sure it's any more than uh, small sample size noise because that seems absurd. <laughs> okay, well, it's what, a year and a half now? It's been 58 fights, so God, I don't that's know. a lot. It is thirty and twenty-eight. <laughs> it's strange, right? And I, uh, yeah, I, anyone who's yeah been off at least a year, I, I consider, you know, ring rust uh, uh, thing. And apparently, maybe maybe Dominic Cruz was right all along, guys and gals. Ring rust is not a thing. So, anyhow, um, her last win, um, like I said, was KO over a year ago, February twenty twenty. But maybe that's a positive. Maybe uh, maybe you shouldn't be fighting uh, very often in the cage. So she's an inch taller. Uh, she's more active striker. And get this. Both ladies were born on August 19th, 1988. What do you think of that? That, Same that, is, birthday. that is a hot stat right there. It is. <laughs> now, I don't know what you can do with that. Um, I, these people, they aren't even household names, so you can't even like impress your friends with this trivia, uh, unless your friends are, are um, MMA nerds also. But regardless, exact same birthday, exact same year. Um, Cachuera, plus 160, going into this fight, or at this point at least. Uh, Mazzani, 7-4 with four knockouts, one submission. Two and four in the UFC, spread over two stints. She just came back, uh, what, two fights ago, I think? Yeah. Um, she got rehired short notice and lost that fight and then won her last fight. So TKO, TKO win her last fight, but that was against um, basically uh, an Insta- Instagram model and not a fighter. So um, she's 1-0 and at flyweight. That was the fight. Three-inch reach over Kachera. Uh, striking and grappling sets in her favor, minus 200. Um Dan and I are both taking Mazzani because she was a guest on the show this week. Yeah, but not just because she was a guest <laughs> no? on the show. No, I mean, like, <laughs> yes, she was a guest on my show. And, yes, uh, I do really enjoy watching her fight. But I, I will say this, too. I think it's really impressive how good she looks at flyweight. Like, if you look back at all of her losses, because, you know, you read off her UFC record, it doesn't look particularly good when you look at it with just pure numbers. 
But the fact of the matter is, if you look at those losses up at Bantamweight, a lot of those losses are due to being outsized by women, right? Like Julia Avila is a huge right. Bantamweight. Macy Chason is a huge Bantamweight. And she got bullied a little bit. And the, the thing about Mazzani is her style is she almost needs to be the bully a little bit. She needs to be able to wear on her opponent and, and tire her out and, and take her muscle to that person. And, and she just really wasn't able to do that against a lot of the bigger Bantamweights. Moving down a weight class, I think, you know, was remarkable for her, super helpful. And she clearly did it very well. Like, she looks cut as hell. She also paired that with the move to James Krause. There's so much to like about Mazzani right now. And, and, you know, the fact that she's fighting Priscilla Cachoeira, I think they just gave her two really great opponents to get her feet wet at flyweight by beating Rachel Ostevich, who, who nobody's ever been all that impressed with. And now Priscilla Cachoeira, who is 0-3 and inexplicably got a fourth fight uh, that she won by KO in, you know, like maybe the oddest outcome that could have possibly happened. But I sort of just expect Mazzani to be able to bully her wherever she wants the fight to go. I think she wins a striking battle if she wants to. I think she wins a grappling battle if she wants to. I just think she's better literally everywhere. And whoever has James Krause on their MMA gambling podcast bingo card, then you can take uh, check that one <laughs> off because pretty much every podcast we mention that mention that man now. Uh, I'm very... going to mention I'm going to mention my other coach if you've got him on your bingo uh, card somewhere too. Yeah, just wait for that. Wait for it. And just to show you um, how much. Um, attention how serious Dan takes this podcast. I just had a notification pop up on my phone that he's making transactions in our fantasy baseball league <laughs> while, while we're recording our podcast. He I just, needed a uh, picture. <laughs> he just added Logan Gilbert and dropped Chris Flexen, whoever those people are. That's what he did. So just so you know, he's uh, everything that he said, I don't know if we can take, uh, take it uh, you can seriously. Take it seriously. Now. I'm just a real gen <laughs> in every single facet. That's true. Multi, multi, um, faceted degenerate. Um, if you want to be multifaceted in the bedroom, maybe that can be Roman's, <laughs> Roman's new slogan. I'll move into that. Uh, Roman, look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to getroman.com slash SGP now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S.-licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Get started. I always mess up this part. Is getting started, Jeff, not get started. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash SGP and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. So go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash SGP. Get started now and save $15 on your first month of treatment. Whoever had me messing up that line in the Roman ad that I mess up every show on the bringer card, then you can check that off also. So, All right, this, uh, that was the early prelims. Uh, let's move on to the main prelims. We will start with middleweights. Um Fighter that Dan loves crapping all over again, uh, <laughs> which means which means he's probably a nice guy. Uh, Jordan Wright, who who's the Beverly Hills Ninja, I believe, uh, versus Jamie Pickett. Jamie Pickett has a good nickname too. I can't remember what it is. Do you remember what it is or not? I'll pop you um, He's got a good name, I think. One sec. I'm going to get it. Wait. The Night Wolf. That's his nickname. So. Oh, Beverly, I like that Beverly one. That Hills was, Ninja that was unique the, enough. It sounds like a Marvel are, character. Love, or, love them are very unique, but that, no. that, one, that one is both unique and works, which is a rarity. It's true. Let's let's go with the Night Wolf. Uh, Jamie Pickett first. He's eleven and five with eight knockouts, one submission. So he he is a knockout um, master, machine, artist. Uh, oh, one UFC. Sa- oh yeah, he's a savage and a killer also. But so is right. So just wait. Um, he lost his UFC debut. Uh, he was one and two on the Contender Series. Uh, three inches of reach, striking and grappling stats in his favor. Minus one fifteen. Um, and for right, eleven and one. With one no contest, he's got six knockouts, five submissions. He's one and one in the UFC. He got knocked out his last fight. Uh, he had a no contest in Dana White Contender Series. He's three years younger, more active striker, minus 110. 
I have Pickett, but I'm not sure. I might be waffling on this after I read off all that stuff. I'm like, hmm, that doesn't sound very good. Let's see what, let's see what Dan thinks. Well, well, let me try to sway you towards uh, further picking Pickett because, first of all, Jordan Oh, because you hate the other guy, first Jordan of all. Wright is the biggest can crusher the UFC has ever had. <laughs> yeah, that's we've true, heard it all. That's a true story, and that's, that's coming from me who – let me tell you something. I want to like the guy because he's got a funny nickname. He does a lot of spinny <laughs> yeah. stuff. And two of his coaches are two of my favorite under-the-radar fighters from, like, 15 years ago. He, he's coached by Anthony Hardonk and Vladimir Matyushenko, the janitor. Mm. Um, and I love both of those. John Jones. He, he fought a young John Jones back in the day. He did. He actually fought Tito Ortiz for the title, too. Did you know that? Oh, yeah? Cool. Yeah, like, like no. way Yeah, like, yeah, I think UFC I might 32 or some shit like that. So, yeah, uh, I yeah, watching. I, I want to I like that guy. But here's the facts. It, it, you you mentioned all the knockout wins. Some of those knockouts, I, I think the first four or five of them are against guys who are 0 and 0. Uh, a lot of them are against guys who are like 0 and 10. There's one against a guy who's 0 and 22. Like he's literally just beat up people he's supposed to beat up. You mentioned the no contest on Contender Series. That was a knockout loss in 40 seconds. The only reason it's listed as a no contest is because Anthony Hernandez. Uh, tested positive for marijuana, which let's be let's face it, uh. not not something he should be getting a no contest for under any circumstances. But like, also if we think about Anthony Hernandez, who who has looked pretty good in the UFC, a lot of his wins, and almost exclusively all of his wins in his is not just his UFC career, but his MMA career, are submission wins. And he went out there and touched the chin of Jordan Wright in just 40 seconds. So the fact that Jordan Wright has been knocked silly in, in two of his three, like, highly competitive bouts certainly has to make you question his chin, especially for a guy who, like, values himself as a striker. So for those reasons, I think Pickett just stays in this fight long enough to let, you know, uh, Jordan Wright kind of spin himself tired until he just knocks him out. All right, ow, we're going with the Night Wolf. Give me a howl, Dan. <laughs> howl. Howl. All right, there you go. So we're going with the Night Wolf. All right, uh, over the Beverly Hills Ninja. All right, that that, um, that could be a good battle, though. So um, if that was like a comic book, um, a Beverly Hills Ninja versus a Night Wolf could, could be an interesting battle. But we'll go both go with Pickett in this one. Hopefully we'll be right. Um, moving we are, on. We, we are four for four so far, by the way. We are oh, yeah, wait matched. A oh, no. All right. Um, yeah, I've some of my picks have switched too since. Um, all right, well let, let's just plow forward and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, women's flyweight: Andrea KGB Lee versus Antonina Shevchenko, who I think her nickname is Valentina's sister. I think Isn't that, <laughs> that her nickname. Something might like have, that. Might uh, as well be. <laughs> might as well be. No, her name's no. Her name's La Pantera. Really? Huh. Guess she likes Pantera, the um, thrash metal band from the '90s. <laughs> Obviously, they were very big in. Where are they from again? Ubek, Ubek, no, Kurdistan. Obviously, uh, Pantera was massive in Kurdistan. Um, let's break down KGB Lee first, shall we? Uh, 11 and 5 with two knockouts, four submissions, as I actually moved to the microphone so you can hear me. Um, 3 and 3 in the UFC. She started off like a house on fire, you could say. She won her first three, um, was very highly touted, and then now she's dropped three straight. Kind of gone up the rails. She was 4 and 2 in Evicta before this. Uh, two inches of reach on Shevchenko. Five years younger. She's the more active striker of the two. Imagine someone being more active striker than a Shevchenko. Crazy. Uh, and she's at plus 115 in this one. Uh, La Pantera, 9-2 and two with three knockouts, one submission. She's never been finished in a fight. She's 3-2 and two in the UFC. She's swapped wins and losses uh, back and forth through her whole career. Um, she won her last fight, so patterns say... Um, it was a TKO win her last fight. She's two inches taller, minus 145. All right, Dan, who you got in this one? See if we're going to match again. I'm going to go with Andrea Lee in this one. Oh, um, we're not matching. Yeah, there it is. There's finally one. So here, I'll try to persuade you anyway. So, yeah. uh, look, I, I like Shevchenko, but here's the problem. I, I've not been very confident in her abilities to stuff a takedown. Um, she, she looks decent once it hits the mat she's got decent sweeps she's got decent submissions but like I don't see Andrea Lee as somebody who's going to have issues just staying safe um and in addition to that if you think about where Shevchenko is best on her feet she's best in the clinch right so that's there's two problems with that first of all Andrea Lee also good in the clinch right Andrea Lee works well in the clinch she's good at reversing position she's especially good at getting underhooks 
And two, the other problem with that is that leads itself to takedowns, right? Because she's going to be up against the cage. She's going to be in those positions where Lee is going to change the position on her. And I think just because of those things alone, I'd lean towards Lee. This is an extremely close fight to call. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if this winds up, you know, with two judges looking one way and one judge looking the other because one scored the takedowns more heavily and one scored the clinch work that Shevchenko did more heavily. But I just think there's going to be enough damage done on the feet by Lee. I like her better at the striking from distance. I don't like her better in the clinch, but I think luckily she can get out of that clinch when she needs to. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a close fight. Um, I definitely see it going to a decision. You agree with that? Yeah, I, I think that that's probably a pretty easy prop, and I bet you, you know, yeah. if we're thinking props, I, I bet you that one doesn't even pay all that well either. Like, no, probably I bet not. You, if you're looking at props, that's probably like a negative 200. It, it's probably a bigger favorite than most on the card. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, this, this one's definitely going the distance. Neither of these two has particularly a lot of finishing ability, with the exception of, like, Shevchenko, like I said, has some submissions. I just don't see Lee as the type who's going to get submitted by a Shevchenko. Right. All right. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, it's, it's a close fight. But I'll, I'll stick with my pick. It's more interesting that way. Um, definitely could be a fight that could go every way. And, either way, excuse me. And if we weren't all degenerates and have to bet every fight, then I probably would just say just skip it. But you have to bet every fight if you listen to this podcast as part of your uh, contract. Um, and yet to bet 100 bucks minimum on every fight. So just thought I'd let you know all that. Um, you, you should know already. It's, it's part of the contract you signed. So, uh, Featherweights, Lando Groovy Venata versus Mike Grundy. Does Mike Grundy have a nickname? Let's see. Let's check, everybody. I, I don't he, bull, No. It should be Bulldog if it's anything. That he okay, there you go. A, he could just be another Cause, Bulldog. Because he's a British Bulldog? Is that why? Yeah. <laughs> he's British. He's British. There's our wrestling. There we go. We, we made our wrestling a reference. Every episode has to have at least one pro wrestling reference that comes naturally. And there you go. So put that. Uh, you can dab. Use your bingo dabbers and dab that one on your card also. So, all right. Let's break down. Who should we break down first? Let's break down Venata. He's 11, 5, and 2. Four knockouts, five submissions. Uh, three, five, and two in the UFC. You don't usually see losing records like that, but. He's exciting, so I guess that's why he's sticking around. He lost his last fight. He swapped wins and losses back and forth over his last four, so he's due for a win. That, uh, that would mean, right? Uh, two inches taller, five years younger, twice uh, more active striker than Grundy, plus 100. Grundy, 12-2 and two with one knockout, eight submissions, one and one in the UFC, lost his last fight. He's got interreach grappling in his favor, minus 125. Um, he... I'm going to take Venata. I think he can handle Grundy's uh, wrestling, and I think he's uh, obviously he, he's a better striker, and he's either uh, could knock him out, or if it goes to the decision, he's going to win for being more active on the feet. So I'm going to disagree with you on this one too. I'm going to take Grundy. Perfect. Um, so so we're going to go back to back with ones we don't agree on. And first of all, I, I I think you're wrong about the wrestling. I don't think he can take Grundy's wrestling. Uh, he had a really hard time with Bobby Green's wrestling in, in keeping off of his back against Bobby Green. And Bobby Green is not even as high of a level wrestler as Mike Grundy is, uh, in, in my opinion. In addition to that, un, uh, while I may have been wrong about the Tucker Lutz fight, this fight is at 145 pounds. This is Lando Venata coming down a weight class after, yeah, not, being, yeah, after not being able to handle somebody like Bobby Green for three rounds. So, you know, knowing that and knowing that this one is down a weight class, you got to imagine a guy who throws a lot of spinning shit like Lando Venata wastes a lot of energy, right? And, and now he's going down a weight class. I'm not going to say his cardio was suspect before because he's had some absolute bangers, but the guy throws haymakers nonstop. The guy throws spinning stuff nonstop. And he's going to be in there with a guy who just wants to grind him out and has excellent cardio. So, you know, I'm pairing the fact with the fact that, you know, he, he he got taken down a bunch by Bobby Green. The fact that I like the wrestling of Grundy to begin with and the fact that I have really big questions about Venata's cardio, those things to me just all add up to the fact that I like Mike Grundy in this fight. Well, Dan's probably planning on uh, figuring out what pitchers he's going to pick up on his team for tomorrow. <laughs> so I say go with my picks. I am not doing that. Um, and that's yeah, why. And that's go. why. What? What place are you in in the baseball? The uh, baseball Dan league? is destroying us. Dan is Dan is in third. I am in fifth, but I'm very far behind. In fifth, so. <laughs> People don't care about our team. So um, prelim main event middleweights: 
Ronaldo Jacare Souza versus Andre Munez. This is one of the fights I switched my pick on. I may have switched my pick in the last fight too, um, come to think of it. But regardless, um, let's go with Munez first. Is it Munez? 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 Frankie Muniz? Yeah, I, I think so. Oh, yeah, and it's Andre with an accent also. Um, he is 20-4, and four, regardless of how you say his name. Four knockouts, 13 submissions. He's lost four times. All his losses, actually, are co- have come via knockout. He's 2-0 in the UFC, 2-0 on the Dana White Contender Series, I think is the name of it, actually. Uh, he's won six straight fights. He's six inches taller, 11 years younger, minus 110. Uh, Jacare, the legend, 26-9 with one no contest. Eight knockouts, 14 submissions. He's lost four times by knockout also. He's 9-6 in the UFC. He's dropped three straight fights. Uh, he's winning one of his last five. He got knocked out his last fight by Kevin Holland, which uh, he was about to win, it looked like, but he got himself knocked out while he was grappling. Uh, he Before all this, he was 7-1 in strike force, where he was their middleweight champion. He's a more active striker, uh, surprisingly, of the two. Minus 115. I switched, and I'm taking Jacare uh, in this fight. I think he uh, Munez is not going to be able to rely on his grappling against Jacare, and Jacare's got more power, I think. So I'm hoping that his chin's not shot after the last fight, and I'm, I'm picking him to win here. Yeah, I'm going to pick him to win here, too. Um, All right. And, and, and I'll say this. This is sort of why I like him in this fight, is you're right. Jacare is a he still has power in his hands, right? Like, oh, yeah. I, I feel like we can't forget that, you know, his, his his win over Chris Weidman, which is his last win now, and it was granted two and a half years ago, that, that win, he floored Chris Weidman. He, like, put Chris Weidman down. And, and like, not not that Chris Weidman is some guy who who can't be knocked out, but, but Chris Weidman's got a decent chin. He, he's not, like an absolute stud with a chin, but, like, it's not like his chin is shot at this point either. So that, to me, is still has some value. And also, like you said, the, the Kevin Holland fight, it looks bad because he's on a highlight reel now for the rest of his life. But but if you tell me to pick that fight again, I would take Jacare today over Kevin Holland. I really, truly mean that. Like, if you just – like, if, if Muniz dropped out of this fight and Kevin Holland's like, yeah, of course I'll fight again – without any more training and came into this fight, I would take Jacare because I think he yeah, could do sure. the same exact thing. Take him down and grind him out. He was about to do the Derek Brunson. He was about to do the same thing Marvin Vittori did. He just kind of got knocked out in the weirdest possible way and root to it. And, and you're right, too. Like, you're worried about Jacare's chin. You're worried that Jacare you might, might not have it anymore. Muniz is a good guy to fight if that's the case, right? Like, I'm not right. particularly worried about Muniz flooring Jacare. And, like, you know, he's got some knockout losses himself. And if he gets stunned and tries to grapple with Jacare, God, is that the worst idea that anybody's ever had, right? Like, Jacare is still very high-level BJJ. So, yeah, I mean, like, I can't believe I'm picking, what is he, 40-something now? Like, I, I 41. Yeah, I can't believe I'm picking a 41-year-old Jacare. But then again, I pick Andre Arlovsky every time he fights. So, uh except for the last time when he actually won. Uh, but, but yeah, like, here I am. I, I'm going to take Jacare, and, man, I wouldn't even be surprised if Jacare finishes him. Oh, there you go. We're both going with the old dog in this one. So that wraps up the prelims. Uh, let me tell you about our last two sponsors, then we'll go main card ad-free, which is my promise to you. Uh, first, Underdog Fantasy. If you haven't played on Underdog Fantasy, you have to check it out. They are fantasy best ball tournaments with some of the best around, including their Best Ball Mania 2 tournament, where you can win a million dollars. Plus, you can play a number of games involving parlaying player props for MLB, the NBA, and more. Parlaying player props. That's a pretty good uh, tongue twister there. Uh, They also have a special NBA Playoffs Best Ball tournament coming up as well. So go to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN. Don't forget to enter the Best Ball Mania 2 tournament for your chance to win a million dollars. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And I see we have a new sponsor, Odds Jam. If you're a smart better, you need to sign up with Odds Jam. Odds Jam does your line shopping for you, finding the best prices on all bets, including player props. Odds Jam even provides arbitrage, arbitrage, and making me say hard words, arbitrage opportunities where you can bet on both sides of the line at two different shops to guarantee a profit. OzJam also tears, tailors itself to whatever betting market you're currently in. Dominate the marketplace with OzJam. Sign up at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash OzJam and use promo code SGP 
for five percent off. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds jam promo code SGP for five percent off. All right. Dudes and dudes dudettes. I'm I'm gonna pretend that we have uh females that listen to our podcast. How many females do you think actually listen to us percentage wise, Dan? I would not say- not counting not counting family members. I'm going to tell you, I, I think the number is a little bit higher than you think. I, I bet you there, there, is, there are some ladies out there who listen, because I, I saw the numbers one time for, for Top Turtle, and I assumed there was like negative 2% uh, female listeners, because, you know, I don't know, it's, it's a sport that, that tends to draw fewer of those, but it wound up being like 20-something percent, uh, and I was like... That is that's fairly substantial. So I bet you I bet you we got some ladies out there. If there are some, hit us up on on Twitter and tell us that you listen to our show so we can properly call you dudettes all the time. Exactly. Uh, Dan brings in the females apparently. So, <laughs> um, all right. I'm not sure. The main card. I'm seeing different bout orders here. Um, is this she? What do you think? Shane Burgos, Edson Barbosa probably is going to kick it off. It looks I'm, I'm like. I'm pretty maybe. sure that that one's kicking it off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because um, there's it's one of those cards where apparently there's a whole bunch of uh, different information out there. So let's start out with this uh, Burgos Barboza fight, which should be fun. That's the featherweight because Barboza's down at featherweight now. Featherweight battle. Barboza, 21 and nine with 12 knockouts, one submission. He's 15 and nine in the UFC. He made his debut in 2010. He won his last fight, but that was his first win in four fights. He's a plus 105 dog here. As for Burgos, 13 and two. Uh, five knockouts, five submissions, very well-rounded dude. Um, six and two in the UFC. He lost his last fight, which was uh, coming on the tri- on the end of a three-fight win streak. So he's three and one over his last four. Five years younger, uh, two times more active striker than Barboza. Striking and grappling stats in his favor. Minus one thirty. I'm also in his favor. I'll take I'll take chalk here. Well, we're gonna go opposite on this one too, because yeah, so this is a tough one too. I'm actually gonna go with Barboza in. in- the reason I'm going to go with Barboza is looking back at both the Cub Swanson fight and the Calvin Cater fight for Shane Burgos worry me a little bit, right? Because those were two of his toughest fights, and, and heck, you could probably include the Josh Emmett fight. Th- those fights all are against guys who primarily do like to box, right? Like Calvin Cater loves to box, and not only did he box up Shane Burgos, but he hurt Shane Burgos with a pretty nasty combo, you know, Cub Swanson took him to a split decision. Like, Josh Emmett outboxed him on the feet pretty easily. He does a great job against guys who want to grapple him, right? Like, he put Kurt Hallball out. He he put Makwan Amir Khani out. But those guys those guys don't want to grapple or don't want to strike with you. They they want to grapple with you. And even got Alfredo Pepe, who would be either, or Charles Rosa. or like. And you can just keep going back with his record. Most of the guys he's out there outboxing don't like boxing with him. You know, Edson Barboza is going to oblige him in a boxing match. And, and despite the fact that Edson Barboza is only 1-1 one one at, at Featherweight, I actually believe he ought to be 2-0. and oh. I, I scored that fight against Danny Gay for him. Uh, here we go. Yeah, I, I'm going to react to it. In, in maybe if you go to MMA decisions, I actually don't have it pulled up this time. Usually yeah. I have it pulled up, and I know already that all of the guys are in my favor. They might not be in my favor this time, but I, I think he looked really good against Danny Gay too. And, and certainly – he looked better than Danny Gay on the feet. The, where he lost that fight, if he did in fact lose the fight, was on the mat. Shane Burgos isn't going to take the fight there. This is going to happen on the feet. Shane Burgos hasn't had a lot of success against guys who box with him. And, and hey, you know who has had success against boxers before in the past? Edson Barboza. Like, Edson Barboza has been in there with some dudes, right? Like, he's he knocked out Dan Hooker with a body shot. He, you know... He went in there with Gilbert Melendez and threw with him. He went in there and threw with Anthony Pettis. Man, he, he was beating up Tony Ferguson on the feet for a while before that turned into just an absolute bloodbath. So, yeah, I, I like Edson Barboza here. I think he can outbox him in this match. And, heck, I think he can hurt him and finish him, too. Uh, so, MMA decisions, you can check that off on your bingo card because we mentioned that in the <laughs> show. And Dan, um, rewriting history and complaining about official results, you can check that off your card too. <laughs> typical typical American. Um, yeah, this should be a fun fight. It could be fight of the night um, if they let it let it fly and their chins hold up. So, all right, so we differ there. Um, but yeah, another, like I said, another, another tough fight um, to pick. Let's move to women's flyweight. Caitlin Chukagian, blonde fighter, very uh, original nickname, versus Vivian Arujo, who also has a very original nickname. Do you know her original nickname, Dan? 
Is it Vivi? It is <laughs> Vivi. Wow. My, my nickname's Jeff. <laughs> so Jeffrey, give me a break. Or actually, it's Jack. According to them, my name's Jack. So. Um, Jack Sock. Jack's a long-time listener. Actually, uh, hardcore as well, no. Uh, uh, that, that's, that's my real name here. So, All right, let's break this one down. Enough joking around, Jeff. Uh, Vivi. Arujo is 10 and 2, three knockouts, four submissions, 4 and 1 in the UFC. She's won her last two fights. She's a more active striker of the two, and she has grappling stats in her favor. She's at plus 115. Uh, Chukagian, former title challenger, 15 and 4, two knockouts, one submission. So she does not finish fights. I did the math for you there. Um, eight, not, 8 and 4 in the UFC. She won her last fight. She swapped wins and losses over back and forth over her last four. That seems to be a pattern a lot with these uh, fights we're breaking out. A lot of people tend to tend not to go on streaks or slumps. Um, she before all this, she was one and zero World Series of Fighting. Rest in peace, World Series of Fighting. Uh, she's five inches taller than Rujo, two years younger, minus one forty-five. I think I'm going to go with the underdog in this one. Try to get some plus money on on Rujo. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. And before right. I get too much into that. If you do go to MMA decisions, 16 uh, of the 18 media members scored that fight for Edson Barboza. Yeah, he, he hasn't. He just doesn't get over. It doesn't get over these 16 things. 16 of 18. Only two people called it for Danny Gay out of 18 okay. media members. All right, on, on to this fight, and it is an actually good one. <laughs> I, I like Arroyo here too, and I like her for a bunch of reasons. But the main one being is Caitlin Chokagian's complacency when she's on her back. Um, you know, like, I think Arroyo is not an expert at holding people down. Uh, I, I like her jujitsu game. Uh, I even like her takedowns sometimes. Uh, but the the thing is that has cost her in fights before is she's just not able to hold people down. But Chokagian doesn't seem to try to get back up. She she pulls for heel hooks, which I think part of her working with the Danaher death squad in, in New York for so long and in the blue basement it's just sort of like I think it's hindered her MMA development a little bit being as good at like pure grappling, you know, pure submission grappling as she is, but it just doesn't translate well over and especially against somebody who's good on the ground like Arroyo. So at, at that way, I, I think she gets a slight advantage there. I will say just the like crazy amount of like it's not even accurate, but it's like naked volume that Caitlin right. Jagan throws out along with. And people make fun of the grunts, but, like, they are kind of excessive and kind of loud and, like, do sometimes win judges over. It yep. worries me a little bit. Like like you said earlier about the uh, the Lee-Shevchenko fight, if, if if I'm picking a fight to stay away from on this card, this is another one of them, right? Like, I hate this fight. Yeah. Um, but because it's so close and because uh, Chokagian gets a little complacent on her back, why not take the underdog money, right? The blue basement, that's some serious grapple nerd talk right there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah once in a while I flip my, my grappling nerd in here. <laughs> all right, uh, you got to, Mr. Go-Go Plata, man. Um, <laughs> the Michael right. Jordan are, of Go-Go Plata. The Michael Jordan of Go-Go Plata is his new name. I expect to see that on Twitter very, very soon under his, uh, under his profile, uh, on his resume. All right, let's move on to uh, Bantamweights. Matthew, for some reason he's listed as Matthew Christopher Schnell on Google. Um you can call him Danger, if you like, Danger Schnell. I'm big on the nicknames this week. Let's see, uh, does Rogerio Bontorin have a nickname? Let me see. Could be Portuguese, we don't know it. Um, no, he doesn't, so that is too bad. Um, maybe we'll have to pick Danger then. So uh, these are two flyweights who are, are fighting on uh, short notice at Bantamweight. Uh for this fight, so they don't have to cut weight, basically. Um, the man taking on short notice would be the uh, Brazilian, Botorin. He's 16-3 and with one no contest as a pro. Three knockouts, 11 submissions. Like I said, short notice fight for him. He's 2-2 two and two in UFC. Won his first two, lost his last two. He got knocked out um, just this past March, so we're talking this, this is a very short notice fight and a very quick turnaround for him, especially coming off a knockout. 1-0 in the contender series, two years younger, Grappling stats in his favor, plus 130. Mr. Danger, Schnell, 15-5, two knockouts, eight submissions, three knockout losses, 5-3 uh, in the UFC, 1-1 one one on the Ultimate Fighter. He won his last fight. He's won actually five of his last six fights. Three inches taller, three inches of reach, twice as the active, twice more active striker. I really have a hard time describing that. Two 
He's twice as active landing strikes, I guess I could say, um, than his opponent. Uh, minus 165. I've been picking before you, which has been rude. You're the guest, Dan. We'll let you pick first this time. Uh, I thought I was the associate co-host. Oh, fine. Fine. You want to get paid probably too now. Check that off your bingo card as well. I'm the associate <laughs> co-host. Um, I, I'm going to go with Matt Schnell here. Uh, and for... Uh, my number one big reason, and you can take those bingo cards out again, uh, Safe Saud being in his corner is always uh, something that will tip it in his favor. But also just... John Crouch, I thought you were going to say, but yes. Oh, yes, I do love John. Yeah, John Crouch, Safe Saud, and James Crouch uh, are, are like the holy trinity right there. Like, if you have one of those right, guys right in your corner, I'm, I'm most likely picking you. Um, but, but no, like, Sorry, go ahead. The, the bottom line here is Bonjarine's takedown defense is pretty bad. Like, uh, you know, like... I really think Matt Schnell is like what we could have expected uh, somebody like Ray Borg to be if Ray Borg uh, had less injuries and uh, learned how to make weight, right? Like Matt Schnell has got a lot of that same build. He he comes from a grappling background and has good submissions, but at the same time has honed his boxing in a way where like that's plan A, and when that plan fails, he immediately goes to the takedown and is good there. So like th- that was like the Ray Borg model that got him to a title shot and would have continued to be successful. And then you look at what Ray Borg, literal Ray Borg, like the actual Ray Borg, did to Bontarine, and all he did was, you know, like, hit him 35 times on the feet to his nine, because he was so good at avoiding it and being faster than Bontarine, and then meanwhile took him down 10 times. So, like, I mean, like, Ray Borg was all over him. I expect Matt Schnell to want to box longer, but I also expect Matt Schnell to have more success boxing and if for any reason this goes awry, I think he's got that ace in his back pocket. I think he uses it well enough here. And I think it's a, a pretty easy one for him to win, to be honest. There you go. Uh, we're back on the same page again. Match now. And we'll finish things up with two lightweight fights. I guess we were going to have, what, three straight lightweight fights um, before Edwards and uh, Diaz pulled out of this card. That, so that this... one was welterweight. That one was welterweight. Well, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Nate Diaz is a welterweight now, correct? Um, all right, lightweight, Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush. Um, Ferguson, 25-5 and five, with 12 knockouts, 8 submissions. He's 15-3 and three in the UFC. Uh, he also was 3-0 and oh in the Ultimate Fighter house, and he was the champion of that show way back when. Uh, he has dropped his last two fights. Before that, he won 12 straight, uh, but didn't get a title shot for, for various injuries and illnesses and nonsense. He's an inch taller, four inches of reach, more active striker than Dariush. He's at plus 128. Uh, Dariush, 24 and 1 with five knockout eight submissions. He's lost three times via KO. 14, 4 and 1 in the UFC. So we're talking a couple of grizzled bets here. He's won six straight fights, five years younger than Ferguson. Striking stats in his favor, minus 160. Uh, Dariush makes me nervous because uh, he does not always look good. He can be reckless and get knocked out, but I'm going to take him because I think Ferguson is shot and he's been shot. For a while, even when he was winning fights, he was depleted, in my opinion. I think you're right, and I think it doesn't matter. I'm still still going to pick Tony Ferguson in this fight. Interesting. Um, I think you're right. I I think he is not – he's either never who we thought he was or he has taken a serious step back. Right. Like, there there certainly could be an argument made if you go back and you want to play revisionist history and and you want to look back at Tony Ferguson's winning streak – like, don't get me wrong, there's some names on it. There's some names you would respect. You know, Anthony Pettis, Kelvin Cerrone, Kevin Lee. But but in a lot of those fights, he looked bad. You know what I mean? Like, he, he looked bad against Kevin Lee before Kevin Lee got tired from a staph infection. And, you know, like, Anthony Pettis broke his own hand, and, and he won that fight. And Donald Cerrone blew his nose, and he won that fight that way. So, like, I mean, yeah, you can look back at this win streak and certainly draw some, some conclusions about it that are maybe not great. But I will say this, like, Tony Ferguson, while his takedown defense didn't hold up against Charles Oliveira, is a guy who largely looks pretty good grappling and, and looks pretty good defensive grappling. And I, I don't see Benil Dariush being a guy who's going to, like, run in there and double-leg the hell out of him. Maybe I'm wrong about that. You know, like, maybe he will do precisely that. But I also think Dariush is at a huge disadvantage on the feet here, even if this is a diminished uh, Tony Ferguson. Like, don't forget, Dariush is a guy who got tagged by Drakkar Klosa and was well on his way to losing that fight against Drakkar Klosa before 
the amazing comeback knockout. And, and yeah, he does have knockout power, and maybe we should put that in his column. But it's also not like Tony Ferguson is a guy who gets knocked out very often. The dude's a zombie. So, I mean, the only real path to victory here I see, and it's a real path to victory for Benil Dariush, is I think he's got to take him down and just lay on him for 15 minutes. And I, I don't know if I, I'm ready to say that he can do that to Tony Ferguson like Charles Oliveira, because I'm not ready to say he's Charles Oliveira level good yet. And I also think his striking is probably not good enough to make Tony Ferguson you know, stop focusing on stuffing the takedown. So I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson here. Okay. I want to see a TKO brackets nose uh, blown uh, in some fight. (laughs) Like you said, he beat Donald Story because he blew his nose. I want to see that now. Um, TKO via nose, nose blown. But um, yeah, this, uh, this is interesting, interesting fight. All the more interesting because we, um, we disagree on it. So the main event, uh, do you find this a hard, hard one to, before we get into it? You find it a hard one to break down? This is 1,000% the hardest fight on this card to break down. Like these I, hate, guys are... I hate trying to pick this fight. Yeah. I've been, let me tell you something. I have honestly waffled about 17 times on who I'm going to pick on this one. Right. I have it written down now who I'm going to take, so I'm not going to waver on it now that I have it pen to paper because if I waver again and I get it wrong, I'm going to doubt myself and be mad right. at myself and all that stuff. But I will tell you, I've wavered a bunch of times, and it's just because this fight uh, – I mean, you, we'll talk about it in a second, but, like, neither guy has fought the other guy, and nobody even close. Right. And it's – you would think we would be able to have a good um, beat on it because it's not like these are new fighters. These are both veterans who have been around for, for decades. But, yeah, it seems like we still don't have a clue what – they're going to bring into the cage. So that would be um, for the the vacant lightweight uh, title. Dana White finally gave in uh, that Habib is retired and the title has been vacated. Um, so we have Charles Dobronx Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. I can say Oliveira now. I remember early on in the early episodes, for some <laughs> I reason, I was <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't remember what I was calling him, but I don't want to remember because I may end up going back to that. So for some reason, I was saying his name wrong, but um, Chucky Olives, we can also call him. So they will be fighting for the vacant uh, lightweight strap, like I said. Um, we'll break down Mr. Chandler first. He's 22-5 and five with 10 knockouts, 7 submissions. He's been knocked out three times in his career. He is 1-0 in the UFC. Before that, he was 18-5 and five in Bellator. He was their lightweight champion three times. Uh, he also fought in Strikeforce. Uh, he was 2-0 in Strikeforce. He has won three straight fights, eight of his last 10. He's the more active striker, but this is based on his one UFC fight and the two strike force fights. That's the all the only fights of uh, uh, UFC stats.com has or fight metric has has data for. So um, small sample size, but regardless, uh, he's at plus 108 when I looked up the lines. So it's a close fight here. Uh, Bill Bronx 30 and eight with one no contest, eight knockouts, 19 submissions. He's been knocked out four times in his career. 18-8 with one no contest in the UFC. He made his debut back in 2010. Uh, he's won eight straight fights, nine of ten. Uh, two inches taller than Chandler, three inches reach, three years younger. Striking and grappling stats in his favor, but we're talking small sample size with Chandler. Uh, minus 135. I'm going to go with uh, Oliveira, but it's, like I said, this is a very tough one. I can see Chandler knocking them out. I can see Oliveira um, submitting him, like either of those things are very likely, in, in my opinion, to happen. Almost as likely to happen. I, I'm going to be real honest. I really thought you were going to go with Michael Chandler. Uh, yeah. I really thought you were, and I, I'm not either. I'm going to go with Charles Oliveira. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one, which may be boring, but no. I mean, like, the, the thing here that I said, like before, is, is so hard to tell in this fight, is that just they haven't fought guys who are even remotely close to one another, right? Like, you know, looking back at Michael Chandler's record, and, and of course you got the, the good fights he had with, with Eddie Alvarez, but, I mean, first of all, those fights are a while ago now, and second of all, like, how how the hell could you compare any kind of result against Eddie Alvarez to what Charles Oliveira brings, which is a, a very weird grappling game that is both, like, suffocating but also like he's a skinny guy with good jit skills so it's like not the typical kind of like Habib suffocating it's weird um and then you know you can count in the fact that Michael Chandler has, has lost some fights on the feet uh, and again that's against Patricio Pitbull who's a who's a savage um and yes he, he's a killer he's a killer he's a savage 
Um, probably not because David White doesn't want to, to pay him at that. No. But um, and, and Charles Oliver, again, not like him at all, right? Like he's not a wild, you know, overhand right thrower. And, I mean, you can go back through Oliveira's record, and, and, and I think maybe the best, you know, sort of person you can put in as a comparison is maybe Kevin Lee, who shot like a lazy takedown and got subbed. I, I just don't know how this fight is going to go. But ultimately, I think at some point in time, Michael Chandler is going to try to mix it up with the wrestling. And ultimately, I think that's going to be a mistake. Um, I think he's just going to try to take Oliveira's mind off of the striking for long enough to go for some takedowns, to maybe control something, maybe to win a round late. And I think Oliveira's sub-game is good enough to catch him. Um, and, and, you know, like you go back at the list of people he's caught. I mean, you can even go back in the list of people he's ground and pounded and, and taken out. But he's got a great rear naked choke. He's got a great guillotine choke. He's got a great anaconda choke. I mean, like, he's got leg lock stuff. I, maybe it's the jit sucker in me that that just wants Oliveira to win here and have a a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt back in charge. But I, I'm gonna go with him against Chandler. I, I think he's the the right pick here. But man, is this just like a an annoying fight to call? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, so are we thinking Oliveira via submission, or what do you think the you think that's the most likely path to victory here? Yeah, I think so, probably. But again, like. With if I'm here and I'm looking for props and I'm looking for things to play, that that's not really one I'm looking at because like again I'm not even sure I like who I picked in this fight. Like right. you, if you asked right. me 12 hours ago, I would have told you not even to pick Oliveira. So like to to say to think of start thinking about props, I do think that that's the most likely outcome if you're looking at the six different outcomes of this fight. Um, but, like, at the same time, I, I don't think the numbers are even going to be close enough for me to find them intriguing. Yeah, very true. All right, what props do you like, then, on this card? So I was looking up uh, Jacare by knockout, should that possibly happen, um, because we both talked about, like, in Jacare, and we both talked about how Muniz gets knocked out. And I, I would I want to give you this little tidbit and tell me what you think of it. Um, so, first of all, Jacare winning by knockout is plus 425. How do you feel about that? Mm, yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's not pretty, bad. Yeah, all, all of all of his opponents' losses are via knockouts. So, right. and Jock Ray's the, the better or the more powerful striker of the two. So, yeah, I like that. But, but how about this? Jock Ray by submission is actually higher, plus 530 for him to score really? submission here. Which, yeah, I can that, see that, I guess. I, I can see that just based on Muniz's defense. But, man, it does seem a little bit off that you can get 5-1 to one money on Jacare, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu ace here, to win by submission. So, I mean, like, you, you guys can feel free to think about this one on your own, about whether or not you think Jacare can go out and finish him one way or the other. But I really like either of those numbers. It would probably take me a while to sit on it. As I said, I don't like when we use... I don't like doubling down on those bets. Right. Uh, you know, I think that that's kind of a, a foolish way to go about spending your money. But uh, I, I'm definitely thinking about one of those as far as props go. Yeah. Um, and then, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I do like Edson Barboza by by TKO. Um, Edson Barboza by TKO is plus 350. You can even get as high as plus 400. Um, not that Shane Burgos is, is not a talented striker, but he's been finished by some guys. He gets hit by guys who hit hard. And, man, Edson Barboza hits hard. So, yeah, I, I like Jacare by either of those methods. Uh, you know, almost a coin flip to pick which one, and I'll probably pick the wrong one. But uh, then the other one that I really like here is uh, is I really like Barboza by finish as well. All right, there you go. And if you're betting Lee Shevchenko, it will be a decision. Yeah, and, and probably um, the almost same with Cho- if it's it's probably the same with Chokagian versus Arruyo. Very true. Like, like those, those yep. two are probably going the distance as well. Very true. All right, let's go with locks. I believe it's me on the clock, right? I think I you picked first you, last I believe week. you are first today. All right, I'm going to take – I had it. I had it a second ago. Who did I decide I was going to take? I think it's Matt Schnell is who I'm going to take. Um, yeah, I like Matt Schnell, minus 165 over Bontorin. He's my lock. All right, I'm going to go way closer with the lock. I feel like you can you can feel this pick coming, can you? Uh, let me think. Who does Dan love on this card? Um, Grundy? 
No, you see, the problem yeah. is you you looked for who I loved on this card, and you should have been thinking the opposite. Who do I hate uh, on this who card? Who do you hate on the card? <laughs> oh, that's right. You're taking Pickett. I'm taking Jamie Pickett in this fight there because I just think I, I have – this is more of a fade of Jordan Wright than it is a, a, a promotion of Jamie Pickett, but I, I just think the guy's got a questionable chin. I think he's got a questionable gas tank. I think he's got a questionable resume. Uh, and all those things lead up to him being a negative 115 favorite or, or damn near a pick depending on, you know, where you're seeing him at. I, I think Jamie Pickett's a steal. You know, it's not questionable, the advice we gave you on this podcast. Who do I sound like when I said who, who segues sounded, like that? You sounded like Shockwave Dave. There you go, Shockwave Dave of Top Turtle MMA fame. I sounded just like him there. Um, shout, shout out to Shockwave. All right. Um, I think we've given you people enough content. We got to come back uh, anyway Sunday night and tell you how we did with our picks here. Um, in the meantime, your homework. Uh, let me think. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com, read our stuff. My um, Thursday, my write up on this event will be posted, and then Friday I'll be doing a DraftKings lineup for you for this event. Also, uh, you can read Dan's stuff there too. Uh, he's, I got to crack the whip and make him write something for me soon. Um, you can read Dan's stuff and my stuff at MMA-Manifesto.com. Make sure you enter the Pick'em Contest there at the very least because it's free and you can win cool, good stuff. So there you go. Um, what else should you do? You should follow us on Twitter, Jeff Fox Writer and Gumby Vreeland. You can listen to Dan's podcast too, Preland Picker and Top Turtle MMA. He's got Gina Mazzani and do you have the other person nailed down yet? I, I do. I do. Uh, actually, I, I want to push in. I, I teased on the last episode that I had Yancy Medeiros. I actually wind up pushing him to next week. And when the episode drops, which it will drop right around the same time as the episode that you are currently listening to, uh, when that episode drops, you will also hear an interview with Alex Morano, who just got done knocking out Cowboy Cerrone. So uh, check that one out as well. There you go. I was going to tell you, make sure you listen to this podcast first, but you're listening to this podcast. So hopefully you listen to it before top three, but I don't care. Listen to either. Um, I guess that, I think that's all the homework I have, uh, I have to give you. Thank you for listening and class dismissed. 